Hello, everybody, and hi to my colleague and friend, Alexa Lavoie. For everybody at home, thanks for joining us. It is Tuesday, October the 3rd, and you're tuned in to Rebel News' daily roundup where we go through some of the news items of the day and banter and provide some commentary, share some of our recent reporting. I know, Alexa, we're going to hear from you in just a few minutes about your weekend uh, weekend happening in Montreal. But before we get into that, just a few housekeeping items. You can find us streaming on a few different platforms. So we're on Rumble, Odyssey, and Getter. I think that I'm missing one. Oh, right, the Censorious uh, platform, YouTube. Um, so unfortunately, YouTube has demonetized our channel for having critical thought, really, being dissidents uh, throughout the COVID regime narrative and unfolding and questioning some of election integrity happenings over two years ago now. Uh, and so you can help offset our efforts and support us through small monetary donations if you are able to on Rumble. That seems to be kind of the free speech platform. Uh, they're not sensitive. Answering, uh, any sort of dissent or people who have contrarian viewpoints or just simply want to have a debate and counter the widely accepted one-sided narrative of various things happening in various countries. Um, so if you head on over to Rumble, you can give us what's called a Rumble rant, uh, and that's a great way for you to have your comment read on air by us, and we can discuss it, or maybe it's a tip that you would like us to investigate further, or just simply provide some commentary and show us that you appreciate the work that we're doing. Um, it's a great way to keep the lights on and keep our efforts going, so thank you in advance to everybody who reaches out to us and supports us through those small monetary donations. Um, Alexa, without further ado, how are you doing over there? I know you had a crazy weekend and we're going to chat about that in just a moment. But it's not just like, but I was there for the weekend, but you need to know that it was the full week. So it, it's called the Climate Rage Week. And this is in Montreal. And you need to know the school did a break for one week for this event that was created by student association in multiple college who have joined together for this whole week of protest. But it's appeared that most of the people were protesting were mostly radical and really, um, I would say activists, like really radical activists because you can see like a lot of black block, uh, pink block, uh, anarchist and Antifa, and I can all name their, them, and they were all there <laughs> for all week protesting, like for multiple like topic. Uh, it passed to anti-capitalism, to anti-colonialism, to also anti-cops and anti-car, and against the government action <laughs> and. And I was like, okay, it's like multiple, like, melting pot of different stuff. But it seems that they are against everything. It's like yeah, against, mm -hmm. against all. <laughs> it seems like they're kind of just anti-civil society as a whole. They don't, like, like, I think they set out with an agenda and a clear directive for protests. But then it becomes this mixed bag of far left radicals and they really have no idea what the point of that specific protest is. I mean, you would know more than me, you were on the ground there. And the mm -hmm. crazy thing is, is that we constantly have to get security to simply cover and report on these events. And you didn't have security for this event. We weren't able to get it. So we said, Alexa, don't go near the Antifa activists because they're known to be violent aggressors. And um, so you set out with just kind of the intention of doing, I guess what we'd refer to as wildlife photography or videography. videography. <laughs> um, and then what happened? 
So you can see that I, I was like, I would put like a Benny, a black Benny, and I would put myself in all black. So probably they will not notice I'm, I'm around. But uh, one person around that was like just a troublemaker. Um, they, it was always around and he actually saw who I was. And, and they actually ducked me to everybody in uh, the protest. And afterwards, they all turned to me and say like, uh, Everybody hates Ruben News and they were calling me fascist, uh, same if they don't know what <laughs> fascist mean. Um, uh, it's really hilarious because they keep like calling me by name, but uh, most of them probably don't know what they are using as a wor word. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so I was just questioning people that was outside at this hour. Uh, the protest was uh, around... The march started around 7.30, almost 8-ish. So a lot of people were kind of confused in the street because they were like, are they against the car? Because now they are saying that they hate the police and they are anti-capitalists. <laughs> so uh, people were confused because they didn't really understand what the protest was about. So I was just ex trying to explain to them like what at the origin of the protest was. And during that night, we had the, the news that 11 cars were vandalized. Uh, all their windshield, their front window were smashed with rocks. But nobody was arrested that night. Nobody, uh, nobody got in trouble for just vandalizing multiple cars that night. So, and uh, by the way, the riot squad uh, showed, showed up because they saw that some people were throwing rocks. And so they warned the people, like, if you are not stopping your illegal activities, we will need to end this uh, protest. And at the beginning, the, the police came in their group just saying, like, we are here for keeping the peace in, mm -hmm. in this protest, uh, assuring your safety. And everybody was, like, saying to them, like, shut up and laughing at them and just, like, saying, like, I would not saying like, get the fuck out mm -hmm. so um so you see like the, that these people were not there for like remaining like peaceful for this protest they were just like there for um i don't know what is their goal because at the end of the day what they are doing is it's actually putting a part of the society really mad and angry at them and so that divide most mostly the population further so, um, so that night, um, it was kind of crazy. Thanks to Yankee, who we were, he was there with us. So he, he kind of act as uh, our security. And some people thought that it was our security. So it's why maybe um, we, we had like nobody to that disturb us uh, too much. But um, the day after when I went to the climate change protest, uh, that didn't turn well at all. <laughs> well, and before we we move on, I wanted to highlight again what you've said here is that, you know, these claim to be anti-fascists, right? That's the whole basis of Antifa. And yet they regularly and readily deploy fascist techniques and tactics in order to uh, get attention, I, I say, and try to achieve their agenda items. And this particular protest uh, seemed to to be really anti-car and they wanted to see, I guess, more pedestrian walking lanes and bike paths. Um, but you have, let's show a little video here, a quick clip uh, where they're calling you a fascist, despite the fact that they repeatedly act like actual fascists. Mm -hmm. intellectuel. Okay. 
Donc, euh... Oh my God. So this is such a, um, a, a baseless claim, right? They say, well, you're a fascist and you do this, this, and mm -hmm. this. You say, well, can you give me an example? And maybe we can chat about it. Maybe we can figure out if what you're saying is accurate mm -hmm. or not. And repeatedly the left, and that's why I think they have to censor anybody who covers their protests or their activism out in the wild, uh, they have to censor them and put on sound machines and, and deploy these bullying, harassing, intimidation tactics is because they can't attest to what it is that their stance exactly is. And so, you know, that's proof in the pudding right there. They say, well, you're a fascist. You say, well, how am I a fascist? Well, I don't owe that to you. It's like, well, then you can't back up what you quite literally just <laughs> claimed to me. So I guess I'm the actual fascist now. I'm just supposed to take what your word at face value. Uh, this is the repeatedly seen by the left at these radical protests. And again, I think that's why they have to deploy this heavy censorship, fascist-like tactics, because they can't articulate their points and they don't have any of the facts or the actual research to back up their claims. So that's what you see when you're out there pushing back a little bit against some of this. Um, we have and another... especially because she was just looking at me and keep continuing saying fascio, fascist, fascio. And I was like, okay, like, usually I would not go and like ask anything because for my own protection and I don't want like to mm -hmm. trigger them because they are easy, easily like being triggered by anything. So, um, but this time I was like, this is actually inaccurate. And I really need to ask her like, why are you calling me a fascist? Because I knew that this word is overused by the left as the same like a, a bully word, word to just like accuse someone, but it, it seems that this overuse of this word is just now doesn't mean anything, but there is a big meaning behind being a fascist. And and they cannot even like give me an example or even like the definition of it. And they all really encompass each other. So there's the anti-fascists that I would say are actually just fascists. Um, and then you have a video here. We can show another clip where there's anarchist flags, communist and socialist flags all bundled into one Antifa t uh, package. <laughs> Let's have a look. <laughs> You can see the students have just been entirely captured by this, these, I mean, radical climate justice. Look at this. Like, how, how do we get the climate justice? It, well, and I think we'll get more into that um, a little bit later in the stream, but we'll, we'll stay kind of on the topic of your coverage, Alexa. There was another one, and this is another protest, right? Because you went to two um, yeah. recently. There was the car, anti-car protest, and then this one is the student climate protest. Can you differentiate a little bit for our viewers where the, which days and how these protests were different? So uh, the car culture, the protest against uh, the car culture, uh, that was on the Thursday night and uh, it was taking place. I think it's Lori Park. And this one was at um, Mont Royal, um, a, statue, a statue there. Uh, it's mostly where um, usually the, the, the protest is happening there. And it was the day after, the, the Friday in the afternoon. But it, it, the same people in the car culture uh, protest uh, recognized me at the, uh, the other protest the day after. So it's why uh, I didn't last long. Um, and this time I didn't like actually like dress up as an Antifa or I don't know, like the, the like Benny and stuff. But I tried to to be low profile and just like ask 
my question, but I had the time to question one person and it was finished. <laughs> and they started shouting at you, um, yeah. like swearing F Rebel News. Mm -hmm. Let's show this clip. Yeah. sound machines yeah that they yeah. get their megaphones i mean the this is really concerning when you can you could actually lose your hearing from having yeah. these kinds of devices so close to your ear um this is actual violence and causes health effects remember how mm -hmm. violently protesters who were opposing the state-backed COVID-19 supposedly public health-related diktats and measures, and they were tackled, taken down, violently arrested. They were, you know, called grandma killers. They were going to cause um, surges in COVID-19, and they were coined at the time super spreader events. Right. These were mm -hmm. if you gathered with anybody with more than five people anywhere, indoor, outdoor, wherever it may be, you were a super spreader. That was a super spreader event. And now we have actual health concerns being deployed by far left radical climate activists and mm -hmm. no one's being arrested. No one's being taken down. Once again, it's just the hypocrisy of how different political stripes are treated by the police and by the political cla class. Uh, and you can see that like that could cause somebody to to become deaf and no one's doing anything about it. And uh, by the way, it's so funny because like now you see that everybody is wearing masks, but there were a law that passed. I think it's, uh, I'm just trying to search it. I think it's in, two, not sure about it. Like, I think it's 2016 that nobody were allowed to wear any face mask or any kind of like mask that was covering your identity mm. when you were in those kind of protests. And it's why I went to the police and I say like, why are you asking them to at least identify who they are just in case that if I get aggressed, I will not be allowed, I would not be able like to identify my the person who actually harass or aggress me or assault me. So why are you not asking them to pull down their mask? And they say, well, we are not allowed to do that. I say, why are you not allowed to do that? Like a couple of years ago, we, you, the law passed that we were not allowed to wear any face mask. And now it seems like you cannot do it anymore. They say, oh, yeah, but since the COVID, uh, we cannot <laughs> ask people to remove. <laughs> yeah. So it is what, uh, literally what he says. Say, but since the, the, the pandemic, since the, uh, the COVID, uh, we cannot ask nobody to remove their face mask. I and found this it is here. Really, Hold on. Um, yeah. I'm just going to see if I can paste it into our our communications channel. But yeah, it was the Quebec, looks like mm -hmm. the Quebec Superior Court, and this was, yeah, you're right, 2016, strikes down yeah. Montreal's ban on masked protesters. Oh, so they actually struck it down. Uh, so Montreal tried to institute a ban on masked protesters and the Ontario, or sorry, the Quebec Superior Court ended up striking oh. it down so that's why they because can't do anything about i know it. It, it passed i know it did pass at one point but i i was not aware that they actually strike it down afterwards but um because for a, a time um they were asking us to have like our face uh uncovered and um anyway like it's just it's just really sad because those people are going to college and it seems that they are not well educated when we we talk about his story or the or or, or the meaning of thing because anarchist and communist is the opposite and it seems like they are just like putting a lot of different ideology and movement together and and they think that it's all fitting together but it's just the, the they, they don't seem to understand all the meaning of 
what they are expressing right mm -hmm. now. <laughs> well, exactly. That's why they can't answer your questions. Like, you're a fascist. Well, can you tell me how? And they're like, fuck you. You're just a fascist. I don't have to tell you anything. I can just say whatever I want. And if anybody tries to press me on it, I can just feign ignorance. And you're supposed to just take whatever I say at face value and, you know, trust the science, right? Um, Bonnie Danielishin, sorry if I completely butchered that name, gives us $5. <laughs> and it relates here to what we're saying. This Bonnie says, they are weak-minded people, easily indoctrinated, and more than likely, paid to be there. Yeah, the payment yeah. stuff is really interesting because uh, repeatedly what I hear in certain areas, and usually it's city centers, and so when those parents were protesting across the country, I guess it was two weeks ago now, about the sexual indoctrination and uh, explicit content that's being more and found more and more in school boards and in the publicly funded school system is that buses of these all black masked counter protesters, uh, what we call Antifa, who are supposed to be, as I've mentioned, anti-fascist, but actually just deploy complete fascism and violent aggressive tactics onto anybody with a contrarian viewpoint. So we hear this all the time where these busloads of these people are being shuttled around and it's usually, as I mentioned, in these city centers. Did you see any of that out in the field, Alexa, when you were reporting over the last few days? Um, for the bus, no, I didn't see any, but uh, for my defense, it's like I arrived after that everybody was on the scene and I left because uh, if I didn't left, I would have been in trouble. So I wasn't there when everybody left afterwards. But I know they are... In, especially in Montreal, um, those people like mostly Antifa or people who are, I would call them troublemaker because mm -hmm. a lot of time if there is like vandalism or any other like kind of bad action is mostly them. They live close to the um, subway station, the, the, the metro in, in Montreal. So, um, but... It's not the first time that I saw some bus school arriving with uh, Antifa on, on this or like really uh, left uh, activists. I saw uh, some bus uh, in other protests. It's just this one. I, I wasn't there when they arrived. I know that at night they, they were they were a small group. So I saw them arriving slowly, probably uh, by by bike or by by subway or something like that but um but i'm actually wondering because the one the day after was so big so big and they were arriving from different place by groups so i'm just wondering if they didn't arrive by bus mm -hmm. and i mean how great is your cause if you can't even put your face to it. If you have to hide your identity, you have to all look the same and be uniform in your approach and be all black, masked. Maybe if you're showing some of your rainbow hair, that's like progressive. But, um, you know, if you can't put your face to the thing that you're backing and ready to be a radical fascist about, then how great is your whatever you know, flavor of the day it is that you're protesting about. Um, I don't know. I think that if you can't put your name behind something or your face behind something, your identity behind something, then you obviously don't really feel very strongly about it. And that further lends to the comment, you know, they're easily indoctrinated. And arguably, a lot of these new um, teenagers and young adolescents have been heavily um, influenced and in many instances, radicalized by the public school system. So by the time they graduate grade 12, that pu publicly funded system has already ingrained and enmeshed a lot of these ideologies because this is these are theories, these are ideologies, they're not based on facts or merits, and they've already had their fair share of that being thrown and spewn at them indiscriminately for eight hours a day, well, six hours a day, five days a week. By the time they get into university, that's even more captured by a lot of these uh, theories, you know, unless you have a solid family or a very, very critical mind, you will have no choice but to be captured by these, by this indoctrination. And let's call it for what it is, because it is indoctrination. 
And, uh, and and what really scare me, it's like when we see like now we have more and more students that are now major and they now can vote, but we see mm -hmm. also a raise on the NPD and the, uh, as we call the extreme left party here in Quebec, it's, it, they are now like third, almost like the, the third party and and we see it like they are increasing in power. And so um, the indoctrination of the school system from the left it's really scary. It's really highly organized, and um, you don't see that same level of coordinated organization on what would typically be right-leaning or conservative-minded politics um, because the whole, I think a lot of conservatives are just free-minded and so they don't easily conform to one particular viewpoint and they are more apt to question and provide a counter viewpoint or counteract something that has been distributed as though it needs to be upheld held unquestionably. And so you don't get that same concerted organization on the quote unquote right, because they come with more of a critical mind, more questioning, more individualism, instead of the collective groupthink hysteria that you see ensue in many of these theories, whether that be from the climate alarmism to um, being, you know, hailing big pharma, hailing the government, and loving big media, the CBC, you know, those protesters were yelling, and pardon my language, but they were saying, fuck Rebel News. Well, where was the CBC? Would they be like, hey, CBC, you know, are yeah. they going to be cheerleaders and waving and giving them interviews? I didn't see any other media there, mainstream yeah, media or otherwise. Were. You were the only one and they're chanting, fuck Rebel News. Meanwhile, they have an opportunity to express their viewpoint. And yeah, maybe you would push back, but if it's ground Grounded in knowledge and research and evidence, then you have to be able to back that up. There were other media. They got some interview. And you want to know the most funny one? They were next to me when I got like almost assault with that um, megaphone. Um, a journalist from uh, the Journal de Montréal on Twitter took my video he ripped my video, published on his side, and say on his uh, side also that it was a really interesting and uh, way to get rid of us. And he almost <laughs> laughed at all we get like pushed out from them. So, and he blocked his message. So I was not capable to reply to my own video that he published. And so when I just, uh, Publish like retweet with a comment, and I told I I I, I tell him I say, how can you endorse this kind of mm -hmm. action over some people who do the same job as you? Like same if we don't share the same ideology or the same like kind of opinion, I will never wish to you to be treated like that. And he blocked me. Of course. Yeah, you can't have that. You can't have free speech in Canada. And how is that for freedom of the press, right? These people, mm -hmm. you know, if you're you're a journalist, I mean, whether or not somebody agrees with your viewpoint or your style or your um, your your story, well, we have freedom of the press, and so I don't necessarily have to agree with what you say or what you do, but I will back your ability to say it regardless, mm -hmm. because again, if we can't scrutinize people's thoughts and their speech because it's being curbed and squashed because we don't have freedom of expression or freedom of speech, then that doesn't leave many ideas in the arena of ideas. So I don't care if you want to say whatever you want to say, but we need to be able to have a dialogue and a debate about it. And we'll let the arena of ideas and scrutiny decide whether or not what you say and what you think is legitimate. If we can't have that, then and that's a very boring life. I thought that uh, diversity was our strength, except for when it comes to diversity of thought, apparently. So let's go to a quick ad break and then we'll come back to, um, I'm not sure yet, more climate change maybe or more LGBTQ diversity, we'll see.
Dr. James Lindsay, who is a frequent guest of both Joe Rogan and Jordan Peterson, and the host of the New Discourse podcast, is coming to Alberta for the first time. And so the conclusion was that we now have to train men the way that we train dogs with like leashes and shock collars and, and things in order to in order to get rape culture to go away. Medic religion is actually the easiest way to kind of make sense, honestly, of the trans phenomenon as well. Well, the queer theory thinks that there are certain people who get to set the norms of society. Dr. Lindsay will be speaking directly to the dangers of critical theory and its gender ideology uh, that are pushing their way into children's classrooms. In queer theory, you know, calling somebody saying you're a man or a woman is called a violence of categorization. You just, why don't you say it's, this is systemic sexism and distinguished from what most people think of as sexism. She said, no, it is sexism, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. But they're clearly not the same thing. You don't want to miss this, tickets are selling fast. You can get yours today. That is being run by Take Back Alberta, so you can get those tickets on their website. October 2nd and October 3rd are the dates. And it's going to be an incredible event. Hey, Ben Shapiro here. This November, the Wilberforce Project is bringing me to Canada. If you want to fight the woke machine destroying families, join me in Calgary for my talk, hosted by the Wilberforce Project. Go to benshapirolive.ca for info and tickets. All right, so I just wanted to touch on this quickly because it kind it relates to the coverage that you were doing over the last couple of days. And this is a post uh, from September 27th, so just a couple of days ago, by the globalist think tank, the World Economic Forum, um, you know, Klaus Schwab, where he has that clip where he's like, we will infiltrate the cabinets and their young global leaders. And I think it's a vast majority of the liberal cabinet ministers are graduates from that program. Um, so they've posted here, is climate inaction a human rights violation? I mean, of course they're going to go in this well, direction. <laughs> so it starts off by saying that uh, in 2017, due to some conditions primed by a warming climate, wildfires ravaged Portugal and accounted for more than half of all the burned areas in the European Union. And then a few years later, a group of young people from Portugal Portugal filed a case with the European Court of Human Rights, alleging that those fires and the health risks and crippling anxiety that come with them are the result of a failure to act on climate change in Portugal and 32 other countries. To that, I would say, if you're suffering from crippling climate change anxiety, perhaps you need to sue Greta Thunberg for her dangerous, ridiculous rhetoric. Remember, she got up on stage and she was like, you stole my future. How dare you? And I think we were supposed to see, um, I don't even remember, there was a tweet that obviously is now deleted because it didn't come true by Greta, where she says, like, the, the world will come to an end by... Oh, I think it was 2018, or maybe she posted the tweet in 2018. Anyway, the time has come and gone where we were supposed to see the end of the world because I guess it would just like spontaneously combust. Uh, I'm not even sure what the actual science is about that. But yeah, here we have this tweet, um, and it was posted in 2018, so that's where I got the year from. A uh, top climate scientist is warning that climate change will wipe out all of humanity unless we stop using fossil fuel fuels over the next five years. And so obviously that has not come to fruition. And I like to go back to, to peak oil, and I think it was supposed to be in the year 2000, we were supposed to see peak oil where there would be just no more fossil fuels at all. And um, all of these hysterical predictions just never come true. So um, again, I guess we're supposed to still trust the science, even if it's based on faulty modeling predictions that will never come to fruition. So this idea of having crippling anxiety, well, I think that those faulty models and anybody who amplifies that hysteria is who's at fault here not i don't even know who who would be at fault the government of portugal seems really bizarre to me but the the only small thing that they forget to talk about it's first of all um did they find uh, how many pyramids that are set 
the fire. Uh, we know that in Greece, I don't remember how many exactly pyramids they did arrest, but there was over 15, it was between 15 or 20 or maybe a little bit more, people who set the, the place in fire. We know that in Quebec, Oh, uh, it was more than I thought. 79 person, <laughs> 79 people mm -hmm. are arrested for our arson. So it's worse than I thought. Uh, in Quebec, they find out that in the uh, at the end of May, uh, someone did set multiple places in fire in the up north Quebec. Uh, but this time. They didn't pass that in TV. They just did an article about it. Oh, it's funny, huh? So nobody can actually know really what happened there. But now we know that it's just because they didn't want to destroy the climate change narrative. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, so a man was uh, actually charged for arson. In Shibugamu, it's where I went, where, like, big fire was... Uh, were uh, happening around there. So there is people who like to set the place in fire. I don't know who they are. I don't know if they are like climate change activists or they are being paid for it or they just like they are just mentally sick or they just like have fun to just like, I don't know, me burning trees. Um, but there is other side of the story. And the fact that also the human hand, you know that we are changing our like agriculture or the tree or the plant, that also like do an impact. It's not because like now the planet is actually burning and uh, that soon we will all boil in our own sweat. No, this will not happen. <laughs> well, it's okay, Alexa. We have a carbon tax now, so that <laughs> yeah. should help to um, cool the planet, I guess. You just have to pay more taxes, and then the climate mm. just fixes itself because you paid for it to do that. Moving along in some <laughs> LGBTQ madness. Well, actually, sanity is being restored. Uh, this comes Ooh. out of the UK, I believe. Yes. Um, trans women, this is coming from the Telegraph, I should say, trans women to be banned from female hospital wards. The health secretary will use a Tory conference to announce proposals pushing back against wokery in the NHS. So a trans trans women will be banned from hospital, female hospital wards under the health secretary's plan to restore common sense to the NHS. On Thursday, they'll announce proposals to push back against wokery in the health service that has led to women's rights being increasingly sidelined. And that's what true feminists have been sounding the alarms on alarm bells on over this gender ideology nonsense is that their female only spaces have been infringed upon by biological males and this is quite literally misogyny 101 where you are upholding the rights of a man over the safety and security of women and so i don't know what a trans woman which i mean let's just call it for what it is that's a biological male what they would be doing in a female hospital ward anyway biological males don't have uteruses they don't have ovaries and they don't have a vagina so i don't know what a biological male would be doing in a female hospital ward. That just seems so upside down, bizarro world. It's nice to see that, and they quote, common sense is being returned here to the health service system because that is just craziness. This is untrue. Trans, <laughs> trans women are women. The changes would give men and women the right to be cared for on wards only shared by people of their own biological sex and to have intimate care provided by those of the same sex. I mean, hallelujah, why did we ever deviate from that? It just doesn't make any sense. Um, you know, all the people that are like, but trans women are real women. I'm like, mm -hmm. but do they have uteruses? Can no. they bear children? I 
guess they now they can breastfeed, but we have no idea if that weird hormone produced breast milk will have any consequences on those poor, innocent newborn babies that were fed from the breasts of biological males. It's just so, I'm, I'm honestly shocked that we even are here, that we have to talk about this, that these poor children 20 years down the line may have weird hormonal disruptions because of the fact that they were fed male breast milk. It just seems so outlandish to me. It's just gone way too far. Um, but this is kind of a point back to hopefully having some sanity and common sense resumed, especially as it comes to the medical system. I mean, scientifically speaking, there's clear differences between men and women and trying to pretend like that doesn't exist. That's how we ended up here. And it's complete and utter nonsense. And we need to talk also like, you know, a trans man who are, oh, by inadvertence, like get pregnant, example, it will not go to the men's yard. It will need to go to the woman's yard because they, they are not equipped on the other side to take care of like someone who is pregnant or who are someone who have like huge, like um, ovary problem or other like kind of problem because inside, I'm sorry, you're still a woman. So you need to be take care by the, the woman facility. We have some breaking news here today out of uh, the Canadian Parliament. So this is being reported by the CBC. Liberal MP Greg Fergus has just been elected as Speaker of the House of Commons. The new Speaker's first task will be to help Parliament return turn the page on Yaroslav Hanka's affair. So for anybody who doesn't know, which I don't know how you don't at this point, but regardless... This is due to the fact that Anthony Rhoda offered a hero's welcome to uh, Waffen SS Nazi soldier. I guess that was about 10 days ago in the House of Commons where every parliamentarian gave um, a clapping seal standing ovation to the former Nazi. And of course, we saw Anthony Rhoda resign uh, I think it was three days later, but repeatedly calls for Justin Trudeau himself and senior level cabinet ministers to resign uh, in the wake in wake of this have uh, unfortunately fallen on deaf ears. But uh, nonetheless, the new speaker has been announced here, MP Greg Fergus. I'm not very familiar with um, this person, but he represents the Quebec riding of Hall Aylmer near Ottawa, and he will be of course the first black speaker of the commons and as i'm seeing here reported earlier by the cbc in february of this year of course he also has an ethics violation against him so in february he becomes the latest liberal caught violating ethics rules he um in a conflict of interest an ethics commissioner call for ethics training in wake of his particular breach. I mean, the liberals, I think that their legacy is going to be how many scandals and <laughs> ethics breaches they have engaged in during their reign of terror or their last eight years. Um, we don't even have a, a conflict of interest commissioner currently. So... <laughs> This is just so unsurprising. Um, these are, again, people who are diversity hires and not actually hired on the basis of their merits. That's what I would assume, given this uh, recent unfolding. Justin Trudeau would be the prime minister who actually had the most multiple scandal on his hand for what? Now it's like eight years like in total would be what nine years or ten years so i think it's time like i am and i'm really surprised why he's still there mm -hmm. after all this <laughs> well it's because uh jagmeet singh is has his eyes on the prize and wants to make sure that he can capitalize and why is the word eluding me right now um, on his pension? And so he needs to be in office for another 
one and a half, two years, 2025, to be able to take advantage of his pension. And so why would he call a snap election with mm -hmm. the backing, obviously, of the Conservatives? And I think the bloc at this point would probably um, also back an election given the magnitude of ethical violations seen repeatedly by this, the, co the Justin Trudeau regime. Um, we have a tweet here from the, a House of Commons staffer. I mean, this is an anonymous Twitter X account, so take it for what it is with a grain of salt. But they say, I believe Greg Fergus is the first House of Commons speaker in Canadian history with an ethics violation. Perfect choice of the liberal regime. <laughs> yeah, and I would echo those sentiments. Um, I'm not sure, you know, we'd have to quote-unquote fact check whether or not it's the first speaker in Canadian history with an ethics violation. But I, at this point, would not be surprised. Surprising. No. No. Nothing would surprise me under Justin Trudeau government. Like, seriously, at this point, with the, the last ovation to a Nazi SS, um, I would not surprise to see way, way... I don't know if there is something worse than that. <laughs> yeah, and he was clutching his pearls in September of 2019. We have this clip um, of Greg Fergus who said that the black community is feeling a lot of confusion and hurt after racist photos of Justin Trudeau emerged, but nobody has ever lived their lives without making an error. Um, I wonder how basically every single Canadian is feeling right now after our parliamentarians clapped and applauded and gave a standing ovation to a Nazi. Let's go back down the memory mm. hole, see what uh, Greg Fergus had to say in 2019. There was a lot of confusion and hurt last night by the black community. And I will say this to all of you. I don't believe that anybody, or that anybody has ever lived their lives without making an error or without making errors. The prime minister last night presented his apologies, he expressed his regrets. I think the real measure of the man, and the thing that I think that we need to be talking about, and I hope that you'll be talking about, are all the amazing things which we've done for diversity, specifically for the Black Canadian community across this country. Oh my gosh. Okay. He did it twice. <laughs> I can understand like it's an error when you do it once. They do it twice. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter's just blowing up now, rehashing some of the things that uh, Greg Fergus have said. I guess last year, or sorry, earlier in February, he gave a speech um, during Black History Month and somehow tied it in with the extremist convoy occupation. Um, it's worth, it's about two minutes long, so because I don't know exactly what he says, and this is all just being brought to my attention at, during this breaking news here, um, I guess he alludes to Confederate flags being at the protest and how this is obviously an extremist movement. But um, for anybody who wants to know a little bit more about Greg Fergus, including myself, I plan to look a little bit further after this live stream. I guess there's an abundance of clips uh, that you can lean on on Twitter, former or X, formerly known as Twitter. And um, yeah, this that the idea that there's Confederate flags plural at the convoy is straight up misinformation. There was one Confederate flag. It was conveniently lauded at the protest. And uh, a lot of people say it was just a plant. It was seen once by one person, questionable people um, who were flying such a flag, and then it was never seen again. And you know that was the most peaceful, law-abiding protest that I have seen in in, in my life. And, you know, if you contrast that protest with the clips that we showed at the beginning of this live stream, the radical climate aggressors, the anti-car protesters, that is lawlessness. You can see it in the reports, in the clips. They throw rocks at the police. They engage in violent tactics. They harass anybody that has a different viewpoint than their own. 
and they they intimidate anybody who so much as questions or says, hey, maybe that's not quite how it is. They just intimidate them into silence and self-censorship. And um, so this is now the person who we've appointed as the House Speaker. And again, as it's already been revealed, uh, based on a February 2023 report from CBC itself, he has an ethics violation in his midst. So another hit on the unethical conduct of the Justin Trudeau liberals in full swing. Um, I think they just want to sweep this Nazi applause under the rug and hope that it goes away. Anthony Rota was the fall guy. Justin Trudeau has no, um, there's no accountability. He doesn't take responsibility for his actions or the actions of his government. I mean, I was listening on the radio this morning that liberal ministers don't even have a mandate letter. They, they're just flying by the seat of their pants. And uh, it seems like the ethics violations just continue to pile up on this government. And unfortunately, these two fringe minority governments, the NDP and the Liberals, have formed a majority mm -hmm. in the House of Commons because they back each other on all of their agenda items. And um, we have to, um, you know, Canadians have to suffer through waiting until the next election as a result. It's, it's actually undemocratic what they've done. This is a direct hit on democracy, forming a coalition with two fringe minority parties. And it's just sad because right now, um, usually when we elect a minority government, it's because we don't trust like the capacity to pass through the old four years. So in case that we are not satisfied, we can call for a snap election at the midterm. But right now, this right has been removed from Canadian. Now that a lot of Canadians are not satisfied, they want to move on, they want to have someone else to lead the country, we cannot do it because now we have these two leaders who did a coalition against what the Canadian one and the the are leading. It's it's for me. It's completely like I would not say a dictator a dictatorship, but it's 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 like leading against what your own people want. Yeah, exactly. Which is. <laughs> a direct hit on democracy. Uh, we're running out of time here, but I'm gonna get to these two super chats because they kind of relate to what we're talking about. And then we'll touch on the last topic we had in the headline before we wrap things up. Uh, Fraser McBurney gives $5. Actually, this doesn't really relate to what we're talking about. But anyway, thank you, Fraser, for your contribution. He says, please forgive me for this post. Recently, I was watching music from the 60s. All of the women had their hair Mm -hmm. was nicely done up. Oh, how I miss the 60s. Yeah, I, you know, I wish I was alive in this, actually primarily the 50s. Um, 50s swing and jazz and the music from that era is is really fun. Um, actually, I had a 1950s themed wedding and I just love the style from that era. And um, I don't know if I should feel personally attacked here because I have curly hair. I embrace my curls. I actually follow this like it's called the curly girl method and I'm sure no one cares about this. But the thing about curly hair is it never dries the same way twice. So sometimes people yeah. will be like, oh, Tamara, your hair looks so great this today. And I'm like, yeah, it'll never dry that way again. So it's kind of a free for all. I do style it. This is how it ends up. <laughs> Alexa, I know that, you know, sometimes we're just so enthralled in our work that it's like looks get pushed to the wayside sometimes you just don't have time especially when you're out in the field reporting or if you're doing any um, foreign missions or missions where you're staying overnight places it's just not even on your radar uh, despite being mm -hmm. a video platform but um, yeah I agree and of course if you're watching music videos from the 60s you know they have a whole entourage of hair and makeup that would have done their hair and makeup. We just don't have the budget for that. Um, but thank you for your contribution, Frazier. Really appreciate it. 
We have a chat from AMT60 who gives $5. Did you hear about the October 4th or 11th emergency alert system that could be activated between 2 to 4 p.m. EDT? It could hurt people, especially the, the jabbed. I put two links in the comments. Could be US or the world. I don't see the comments themselves. I'll have to, I don't know if I can look back and find them. Um, I don't actually follow the chat while we're on the live stream. There's just too many moving parts to try to keep up and there's Rumble chat and YouTube chat and I don't know. So this would have come from the Rumble champ chat. But yes, I did hear about the emergency alert system. I think it's mostly in the United States. I have no idea how the jabbed could be affected. Maybe there's that, you know, you hear about this 5G link. I've never been able to credibly ascertain that there is a link there. Um, but yeah, interesting to follow, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be October 4th or maybe it was, it's supposed to be Thursday, I thought, which is the 5th. But anyway, not overly familiar. AMT also gives a follow-up. I have curly hair and I can relate to Tamara. Yeah, I think any curly can relate. So solidarity to you and thank you. No one uh, otherwise probably cares. So back they to say, the topic. Um, they say that Wednesday on October 4th, um, that's supposed to be, uh, so it's it's come from US, so it's, I think it's female or something like that. Okay, yeah, we do have this pulled up here. Um, yeah, FEMA has put out a statement that on mm -hmm. October 4th, so tomorrow, there will mm -hmm. be a nationwide emergency alert test planned. Uh, so text test messages will be sent to all TVs, radios, and cell phones. I guess stay tuned. I don't know if anybody will be harmed by it necessarily, but... Um, <laughs> There you have it. And you know, that really lends to when you were in um, Hawaii reporting, Alexa, the, the whole reason why people suffered so greatly to that, due to that wildfire was because the emergency alert system just simply was not deployed. So I do see that there is, you know, it's nice to have this kind of warning system in place if it actually works and if people are deploying it accurately mm -hmm. and when it's actually warranted and i will plug it so stay tuned because i will have an update from maui um, with the firefighters um, just because now all the eyes of the media is not there anymore and um i was really curious to know like all the people are living now and always the condition always the ground there and so if you want to know a little bit more of what it what is happening right there now. So uh, stay tuned for uh, the next uh, report with uh, Dan Nelson. Thanks for that, Alexa. And continuing to follow on that beat. Um, the, I guess the last thing that we should touch on here is the fact that so many Canadians are struggling with the financial crisis that's facing our country. And there's a report here from the Toronto Star that says the number of Canadians reporting financial stress has jumped 20% mm -hmm. in this year alone. And the report calls this an increase, calls increase, sorry, they call this increase a national emergency. I mean, and repeatedly, I hear people that say a quick, easy, simple solution here would just be to ax the carbon tax, because not only is it directly affecting Canadians in their pocketbooks when they heat their homes, when they fuel up at the gas station, when they use um, fossil fuels, but it also has a ricochet effect on your grocery bill, on all of the goods uh, and products that you purchase at the store because the truckers and the um, the producers have had to wrap in the carbon tax into the cost, uh, the resale of those products. So you're seeing this not only firsthand, but also second and maybe even third hand uh, through the market. And when you go and purchase groceries, I mean, food inflation is through the roof. And this is also coupled obviously by the uh, crazy increases to interest rates. And we're coming out of the pandemic which saw many people lose their jobs, their livelihoods, their businesses, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and it just keeps to be 
piling on to Canadians. And meanwhile, you have this political class, as reported by um, Franco Terrazano from the Taxpayers Federation, where, mm -hmm. for instance, the governor general spent a hundred and seventeen thousand dollars on yeah. dry cleaning, like just just on dry cleaning. And this is a six figure dry cleaning tab. And it's from it runs from 2018. So, yeah, it spans a few years. But this is outrageous. Um, I think they also note in here that the governor general has staff to yeah they have in-house staff on payroll who's responsible for doing the laundry and still we've managed to rack up $117,000 just on dry cleaning alone that's that is it's just unfathomable at this point this what is the most outrageous the people who let that happening like you see that you know about it but you let your government or your employees spending money like it never will never like end and this is the money from hard working canadian like i don't know if you remember the scandal over a 16 dollars juice orange juice yeah and and now we let people doing dry clean for six figure this is actually like not okay and we just continue to yeah we get out the the news but nothing has changed they will continue as nothing happened yeah that's the state of affairs in uh, canadian politics and you know as i call them the, the political class right they're they're laden in scandal in ethics breaches and ethics violations and as canadians struggle to give to to purchase the basic living necessities food shelter clothing this is where the governor general has decided it's appropriate mm -hmm. to spend $117,000 just on dry cleaning. We've had several other reports recently about the lavish spending of, I mean, the government in general, but also specifically the governor general who goes on these lavish trips. They wine and dine, spends money on Ubers when things are walking distance. There was a cab fare. I'd have to dig it back up. But um, thousands of dollars spent on cab fare, I think when she was visiting Sweden last year, perhaps it was the year prior. Um, yeah, here's the, the governor general, we have this written piece here, billed $3 million for travel in 2022 alone. And that's Mary Simons. She flew 21 times in one year on the taxpayer's dime, uh, four times abroad and 17 domestic flights, which cost taxpayers $2.78 million. While she also preaches the climate emergency, right? They're all about green energy and fossil fuels are bad. Meanwhile, you're literally billing taxpayers $3 million to jet set across the country and abroad. This is just peak hypocrisy. I, I just don't understand why those people have not like a budget. Like you have this amount of money and the extra you pay for it. Like this it should be all set up. Like you're going there, we calculate about this, this, this for your meal and like travel costs and the rest if you ex like expense like the rest on your own dime. Like why taxpayer would need to pay for your extra uh, fancy meal or mm -hmm. wine or etc. you know? Yeah, exactly. And, the, you know, conservatives get a rap and I feel pretty politically homeless actually at this point. I don't trust any of them. But um, the fiscal responsibility that conservatives are known for that's what we need to bring back to Canada. Mm -hmm. And um, this just lavish, unrelenting spending by the Liberals is, you know, at this point, Canadians are struggling. Canadians are suffering. And it's due to failed government policy. And um, they need to scrap things like the carbon tax if they want to show Canadians that they really care. And we can see the writing on the wall that 
they in fact don't because they keep this stranglehold on more taxes, more taxes, and continue to espouse the idea of how great things like a universal basic income would be. You know, this is textbook socialism. So with that, we are five minutes past the hour. I'll just see, do we have any more super chats uh, ready to go? We don't, but thank you to everybody who contributed so far on the stream. Thank you to Alexa for joining me. And thanks everybody behind the scenes in Canada and abroad who make this live stream possible through links and written content and getting everything set up so that you can find it easily at home. And we will join you same time and place from 1 to 2 p.m. Easter to Eastern, <laughs> why did I say Easter, uh, tomorrow. So come back then. And as David Menzies would always say, stay safe and stay sane. Stay sane. Justin Trudeau is not worth the cost and he is not worth the chaos. After eight years, of course, housing costs have doubled. Everything costs more. Work doesn't pay. Crime, chaos, drugs, and disorder are common in our streets, and Canada's international reputation is in tatters. We should be working to reverse the inflation Trudeau caused, to axe his 61 cent a litre carbon tax, to balance the budget to bring down inflation and interest rates before Canadians lose their homes, to reverse Trudeau's catch and release policies so that we can protect our streets from repeat habitual violent offenders. But instead of doing that, today again, we're cleaning up Justin Trudeau's mess. Trudeau showed incomplete negligence in failing to vet the event that he arranged, the visit of a foreign state leader. Still, he has not apologized to Canada's veterans for honoring a Nazi soldier on the floor of the House of Commons. Still, he has not called the Ukrainian president to apologize uh, for the embarrassment that his negligence allowed to, that Trudeau's negligence allowed to occur on the floor of the House of Commons. And today, instead of working together to reverse Trudeau's inflation, to reverse the doubling of housing costs that he caused, to reverse the crime wave that he unleashed with his policies, we are once, we're once again working to fix Trudeau's mess to elect a new speaker. It is time to get back to work. It is time to make common sense common. Come on out November 25th. It's all aboard the Freedom Train in Niagara-on-the-Lake. You can check Rebel News for updates and also the Freedom Passport site. Tamara Leach, who led the Truckers Convoy, will be sharing the stage with some of the finest international recording artists, like the Chops Horns from New York City, who's played with Alicia Keys, Stevie Wonder, the Rolling Stones, and many more. Plus, New World Sun, just off a European tour, and the legendary R&B master, Leroy Emanuel. Get on the Freedom Train with Tamara Leach. Saturday, November 25th at Niagara-on-the-Lake Central Community Center, 680 York Road. Get your tickets today at freedompassport.ca. The Freedom Train is coming. Know your rights. Know your freedoms. Justin Trudeau's new censorship law, Bill C-18, it's a shakedown and a desperate attempt to keep the mainstream media afloat. Many have already lost their ability to access our Facebook and Instagram pages. The blackout will soon affect every user in Canada. We've partnered with Private Internet Access, a VPN provider dedicated to safeguarding digital privacy. For just $2 a month, you can maintain your access to our content across all your devices at piavpn.com slash rebelnews.